Welcome to Normal for Norway. I'm Seamus. And I'm Indigo. This is the podcast where each episode we dissect one weird thing about Norway. So sit back, relax, and charge your electric car. Please do. Right. Okay, so in part one, we got philosophical, we um, explained kind of what a cabin was, and now we're going to talk about some of our own experiences with cabins and near-death experiences, and also discuss what I think is quite an important topic, which is class, ethnicity, and cabins. Class. 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 Cam. Oh my god. So... Speaking of Cam, Indigo and I recently on the train, I said to Indigo the sentence, oh, was she Cam? And Indigo turned to me and was like, what? It's like, was she Cam? And Indigo was like, oh, sorry, I don't know that word. And I was like so embarrassed for you. I was like, she doesn't know the word Cam. <laughs> so then I said, oh, maybe I'm saying it wrong. And so I was like, was she Cam? And then you were like, yes, okay, now I get No, it. you actually even had to spell it. You were Did like, I? C-A-L-M. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but wait, sorry, you say, though, class, and I say class, but I say cam, but why do you say not say... Calm. Oh, my God. I don't know. We're missing that sound in Irish, I think. You make me qualm. <laughs> okay, but actually, sorry, before we talk about cabins, we have to take a total left turn and talk about Donald Duck. Oh my god, I hate that. That we're taking a left turn? No, I hate Donald Duck. No, I know, me too. (laughs) So... (laughs) Sorry, who was that? I'm just opening a tin of cat food to feed the cat. (laughs) Don't mind me. Maximus notoriously only eats dry food, so... Don't know what you're talking about. It was a snack for Seamus. (laughs) (laughs) A snack? So, Norwegians, why are they obsessed with Donald Duck and all of the things that, like, the okay, mythology that's So, this Donald was Duck. new to me, but yes, yeah. Norwegians are obsessed. Obsessed. Why are you so obsessed with me? With Donald Duck. What do they call him? I don't know. Sigurd? <laughs> I don't know what they call him. Um, but we got a, basically, we got a quiz question that was like, oh, like, what is the name of Donald Duck? Or what is the name of Donald Duck's alter ego when he's a superhero? And I was like, why is this a question? And then you had to tell me that all the Norwegians are obsessed with Donald Duck. And they knew it. The the Norwegians that we were with were like, oh yeah, of course that's... Yeah. They're like, oh, I should know that. I was like, why would you know? But it's funny because this came up recently at work when my boss made a reference to Donald Duck's cousin. And I was like... (laughs) <laughs> why would I know what that is? I don't know. Actually, no. I know one cartoon character's cousin, which is Groundskeeper's Willy. <laughs> the Groundskeeper's Willy. No, Groundskeeper Willy's. I hope it's not the Groundskeeper's Willy. Groundskeeper Willy's cousin is called Seamus. Oh, okay. But actually, that's not very accurate because it should be really Hamish because that's the the Scottish for Hamish. Oh. Unless maybe Seamus is actually Irish and it's his Irish cousin. Oh, that would be funny if he's yeah. if he's Scottish and his cousin is Irish. Wasn't there actually some kind of weird joke as well about groundskeeper Willie, groundskeeper Willie having a big Willie? 
<laughs> what? Wait, did I just make that up? Oh my god. I'm not deep enough into Simpsons mythology. I'm this. projecting some ideas onto the Simpsons <laughs> that were never there. But Donald Duck, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. And I mean, to my to my boss's credit, thank God she like knew that I would not know this. Uh, and she was like, never mind yeah. this reference. And she, but she explained, she explains it. like. But do you know where, where does the obsession come from? Yeah, I guess that it's just everyone watches and reads Donald Duck when they're kids in Norway. And I mean, I don't know. But sorry. I don't know if this is still true. Like, I don't know if this is true for like Gen Z Nor- but is Norway. Je- is Donald Duck, does he have a spinoff? Show? Yes, that's the thing, is that in Norway, like, Mickey Mouse, not a big deal. Donald Duck is the main attraction. Ew. But I don't know why, like, I haven't looked into why or what the deal with this is, but it's just funny because I feel like it comes up all the time, and, like, Sigurd will make references, my boss is making references, then it comes up in this quiz, and it's, like, so What is Donald Duck's to... catchphrase? He just quacks. <laughs> oh, like that. God. Oh, my God, actually, do you remember we got kept up by a freaking duck yes. all night and you heard me in the middle like, of the night manically saying, quacking this duck okay so Seamus and I were laying in our hammocks side by side yeah we had touching. our hammocks like so close together it was fabulous so cute like two peas in a pod and um this duck was just walking around the camp quacking at like 3 a.m it was just walking around quacking and it would not shut up. And I thought that I was just thinking it, but in the morning you were like, did you tell that duck to shut the fuck up in the middle of the night? And I was like, oh yeah, I think I did. Also, yeah, I know I see one of his catchphrases is exasperating because he kind of has a lisp, doesn't he? That's the whole thing with Donald Duck. I mean, I wouldn't know. If you put a gun to my head <laughs> and asked me to tell you one thing about Donald Duck. Well, I can tell you his enemies are Scar, Peter, and Monitor Mouse, whoever what? the hell that is. I feel so lost. Yeah, and like we got a really helpful um, note from our friend Martin about this because I was complaining to him that we lost the quiz because we didn't. We actually would have won that quiz if we knew the Donald Duck question, which pissed me off. Um, and Martin wrote a, a text message that night and he was like, How dare you call our Lord and Savior Donald Duck sidekick? Mickey Mouse is the sidekick. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, I've just Googled image Donald Duck and I found like. Apparently Donald Duck said, it doesn't matter how much you have, it all means nothing if you're not happy with yourself. As in like, someone is like making inspirational (laughs) quotes with pictures of Donald Duck in the background. Definitely a Norwegian, realistically. (laughs) Daisy Duck. Anyway, we need to stop talking about Donald Duck, this is getting weird. Okay. So, we were talking a little bit the last time about the... Um, environmental impact of mm-hmm. yeah and this study that they did they kind of found that there was basically two distinct groups of people that own hytter one who like are really into the primitive style hytter they don't have running water they don't have washing machines they don't have so on and so on and then there's the like more modern style where people want washing machines they want dishwashers they want saunas and so on um, and they were saying basically the environmental impact of those two is very different and for many different reasons. So, of course, the primitive hitta is less environmentally, kind of, or is more environmentally sustainable because you don't have all these appliances and stuff. Is it like when you, even making a dishwasher or making a washing machine, you actually emit loads of carbon emissions. Right, yeah. It, I think it can be like half of the total emissions of an appliance is actually just the creation of it. 
which is why you should try and buy like second hand. As um, we did today when we bought our bed secondhand. Yeah. Shout out to We're Finn.no like... if you want to sponsor us, please do. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they were also saying that a large part of the emissions from cabins is people traveling there. Oh, and people yeah. will travel to their modern cabins way more than to their shitty cabins. Because of course, your shitty cabin that has no running water, no electricity, not very well insulated and so on, you... I think they were saying that the average person would go there like 20 to 25 days a year. Mm. Whereas a modern cabin, you go 75 days a year, but you're driving up and down so much more. And so your emissions from travel are way higher. And then there were, then there's other things of like, okay, the more modern style cabins are less, they're less bad because they have like, um, like you were saying, they're very concentrated in one place. And so like the infrastructure for them is like all together Whereas then the primitive hit food, if they do have things like running water or other facilities, it's way less efficient because they tend to be very remote. And so it's like the kind of joint cost is much higher because you're okay, but there's a pipe going there, but it's only serving one hit. But then I was thinking, well, surely though a lot of people use electric cars because mm-hmm. Norway, another fun fact, but we'll probably do a separate episode on it, is has the highest penetration of... <laughs> Oh my God, Indigo, don't be so childish. Um, electric vehicles. So it's like yeah. the highest percent of people drive an electric car. I mean, you can't walk a meter without stumbling over a Tesla yeah. and some asshole driving it. But... Apologies to anyone who drives a Tesla, <laughs> including Sigurd's family. Alex's cousin drives one. He's cool. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just jealous because I don't have one. <laughs> but... So then I was thinking about traveling to the cabin that's a big thing right it's yes. a that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole cultural sphere and a whole area that we need to discuss mm. and we also have an experience that we need to share yeah and i was thinking about this in like terms of like how are we going to tell this story because you almost need to like it's almost like there's like an inquiry into this after when we when they found all of our frozen dead bodies in the mountain and we were like what were the factors, like, conclusion, what were the factors that led to the death of these four young people in their prime? Is this because you read that Soviet mystery yes! article? Oh, God. Probably. So, what do you, okay, what do you think is the first, the first domino in the chain that nearly led to our death when we were trying to get up to So, Gul? you're not going to like this because the first domino was you. Okay, why? So, I remember, to set the scene... It was Seamus's 30th birthday, or it was going to be. Yeah. And you were like, you know, I can't have a big blowout like I wanted to. I want to go to a cabin. It's just going to be a couple of us, and um, we'll drive up there. It's great. I found this great cabin. Okay, all fine. Yeah. The weekend before, you guys had gone to Lillehammer with Alex's sister yeah. and her husband and their baby. And you told me, like, on, a, on that Monday or Tuesday, you were like, Indigo, I had the most harrowing experience. <laughs> we were in our shitty electric car because you had gotten a second electric car the first one had been fine but the second yeah but one... i wanted to get a bigger one yeah because it has a roof rack yeah and we needed yeah and maybe that's domino number two or three mm, true the roof rack but anyway we'll get to that yeah but so you said to me you're like oh it was terrifying this car the charge like it says it can go so and so many kilometers but actually it's inaccurate and we were driving and it went into so-called tortoise mode yes quote 
and you were in a tunnel and you were like, it was so scary. It was going like 10 kilometers per hour in this tunnel. I thought we were all going to die, <laughs> but we somehow like made it to this charging station. But you said to me, you were like, we can't take this car on the weekend to the cabin. We can't do it. Yeah. I'm, and you were like, I'm going to get I'm going to get, because because that gonna car, and actually this is kind of telling of like how like ingrained hyttekultur is in Norwegian culture is that when you rent these cars or I was like, it's called like a car subscription. So you pay a certain amount of money per month and then you're kind of just, you have a use of this car and it's much cheaper than like renting it from Avis or whatever, but obviously more expensive than leasing it, but you just have it month by month. Yeah. Um, but they nor- they will do this hit the bill. So yeah. like you have it, you can rent for two weeks a year, a cabin car mm. because all their cars are electric. And so they're like, oh, well, give you petrol cars Mm -hmm. or cars that can drive longer or cars that are bigger and so on yeah but it was too late yeah i couldn't get it so then we thought we can make it no you thought we could make it and i remember thinking like oh shit i don't know about this but i trusted you because you're my friend yeah anyway so then (laughs) domino number two domino number two is probably you and alex so the day so we we were charging the car at home and when you charge the car at home it charges very slowly like it Mm -hmm. takes 24 hours to charge now because of course the voltage in your in your plug in your garage yeah is i don't know what's that a few volts not a lot (laughs) a few volts volts here and there three volts um (laughs) and you know i just want to take off my own ass i did not know that and if I'd known that, I would never have allowed this to happen. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, you guys were driving which, which here, there, and everywhere. Hither and thither. Well, we were buying ingredients for your birthday dinners yeah, but, for the cabin. But also, what were you doing? You were Alex was picking up exercise equipment. Alex was getting his hair cut. Anyway, we get into the car. And actually, no, so that's domino number two. Yeah. yeah, no, so we get into the car. I turn it on, and I'm like, hang on a second. It's you already... screaming. <laughs> Frothing at the mouth. <laughs> clutching for my um and it's half gone the char it's like it's okay it's meant to have 200 kilometers it has 100 kilometers okay domino number three the weather it was minus 15 in oslo and then as we were driving up the mountain of course it would get even colder minus 20 minus 27 it ends ultimately. up at, ultimately what is that in fahrenheit for our american listeners Oh, that must be like zero. It is minus 16.6 Fahrenheit. Okay, yeah. So very cold. Um, Domino number four. And actually this is, I want to talk a little bit about this because this is something that I've experienced, but I imagine is like a general Norwegian um, thing or kind of, what's the word? Yeah, thing. Uh, is like the panic of not being like, oh, have I brought all the things that I need to bring? And so then you just end up packing your car with way too much. Like every time I go into a cabin driving, the amount of, like you just have to fill the car <laughs> until it's physically about to burst. Because you mean, just think, oh, yeah. well, what if we want to do this? What if I need to like go swimming? Or what if I need to, like, <laughs> In you the know? minus 27 degree weather. Yeah, yeah, but to be fair, so it was your birthday and all power to you because birthdays should be celebrated properly. But we basically brought the contents of an entire bar. Yes. Between the how many four we were four. Contents of an entire bar. We brought an ice cream maker. We brought the portable pizza oven. We portable brought, pizza oven. I mean it's still big quotes, yes. 
A pizza oven. It's still a pizza oven. We brought a pasta machine and do we bring anything? I feel like uh, we a waffle iron. A waffle iron. We brought a waffle iron. <laughs> Oh, also all of our skis, all of our yeah, skiing of stuff, like all of our food, like yeah. that car was so laden down with stuff. Plus it was four people. Unbelievable. So. But actually I had a sidebar here. Mm. Just remember to get back to the dominoes though. Um, I was talking to a Norwegian friend who will remain nameless because I texted her to be like, oh, can I tell this story? And she was like, yes, but like, do not say my name. So her... Her mother, they were leaving for a cabin and her mother has the same thing that we have of like panicking about like, oh no, but we need this, we need that. And so they had packed up the whole car. Um, the cat would live outside when they were at, at the cabin. Yeah. Um, but I think it had a little house and then the neighbours would come and feed the cat at the out, outdoor food. But anyway, then the, so they brought the cat out. The mum went back in to like grab one last minute thing. And then came out into the car, closed the door, they drove to the cabin, didn't think anything of it. Uh, the neighbours came, fed the cat, the food was disappearing, so they just thought, they never saw the cat, but they just thought, okay, well maybe it's off while I'm here. They come back from the cabin two weeks later and open the door and the smell of cat pesh just hits them like a wall. And actually, the reason we were talking about this was like we were tasting some wine, and I was kind of like, "Oh, this wine! You know, sometimes wine has a bit of like a cat piss smell." And I was saying like, "Oh," because I remember we came back here after Max had been here, mm. and I like went to the toilet, and like obviously Max's like thing hadn't been changed, so I was like, "Oh, that's the smell of cat piss." So I like had the smell of cat piss quite clearly in my mind, and so I said to her like, "Oh, maybe you don't really know the smell of cat piss because I." freshly have it in my mind and I can tell you this is capis and she was like I will never forget the smell of capis so basically the cat poor cat had been locked inside the house for two weeks while they were at the cabin because it had ran in when her mum went to like grab something and then it had been locked in but it found food it was like they like left out some like you know they quickly eaten breakfast and stuff and then left and so it was like it had like eaten like bitten like through the bag of like a bread and like eaten like the bread but then also in classic cat fashion it was super vengeful and they had just gotten installed this like super fancy like custom made white couch that like fit into a specific kind of circular window and the cat just like urinated on every inch of that couch and it was unsavable they had to just like burn it oh my god yeah oh the small cat pee is truly it's pungent anyway um okay so fourth domino was that we put too much stuff in the car yeah and then I think those were probably all the dominoes. Basically, then we head off from <laughs> Oslo. We're, we've got like what, like 300 kilometers to cover or something. We get. It like, should be, what was it? It was supposed to be like a three hour drive. No, not even three, three hours. Yeah, two no, and no, half no, hour? three. Three hours. Three, I think, yeah. Three. How long did it take? I think it took us eight hours. No, honestly. <laughs> no, I, I'm laughing because it's true. So we get to Hulnefoss, which is not very far from Oslo. Well, sorry, wait. We didn't get to Hulnefoss. We're climbing. Oh, yeah, we're trying to get to Hell We're climbing up a hill to Hellenfoss, and suddenly, what do we see? Tortoise. Tortoise mode, mode. and and this we were going at like quite a busy time, and hit the traffic so can be crazy yes, because sure. obviously everyone in Oslo is going out these very few kind of 
uh, like the valley roads, like there's maybe three or four roads out of Oslo where all the cabins are. So you get this massive bottleneck. So we had so many people behind us like beeping and we were like putting on the hazards trying to be like, it's not our fault, the car kind of... Anyway, then we started we charging roll it. into <laughs> Roll into Hannibal. Start charging. We got some dinner, did we? Yeah, we had some food. Oh, yeah, we got... We um, went shopping. We got some chicken wings. We were wings. still in good spirits at that yeah. time. So... But I was nervous. But it was also like, because of the cold, it was like taking ages to charge and, da, da, da. and there were so many people then coming up and being like, how long are you going to be charging for? We were like, we don't know. Anyway... Then we get back in the car, then we're driving, 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 driving. Then we get to another place where we're... Oh, we start charging at a floor then. Yeah. We go into McDonald's, we eat some more food. Best McDonald's in Norway, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, so we charge at floor. Again, had to actually wait for a charger. Okay. We charged. Then we're maybe 50 kilometers from the cabin or something. We get to the cabin town. And of course, then it's like you're climbing really, really high up into the hills. But it was like 20 kilometers. So we're like, okay, we'll plug it into charge a little bit. We'll go and buy some more stuff to weigh the car down. Even more domino number five. <laughs> oh, we were so stupid. We, we bought like that. loads of wood and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we needed, we needed to like heat ourselves. It was so cold. Yeah. At and this it point, it's minus so 20. Cold. It's minus 20 now because we're up. We're so higher up. The car tells us we have 75 kilometers yes. to go. We're I like, remember that exact number. We're, okay, we're fine. We have 20 kilometers until the cabin. Surely that's okay. Get in the car, start driving up the hill. The charge immediately all disappears. And we're like, oh no. But we're just like, let's just keep driving. We, by the way, this whole trip, we had no heating on. We no. Were- yeah, yeah. We had hot water bottles. We had, like, we were all in our, like, full jackets, gloves, <laughs> scarves, like, hats. And then, and, and you know, there's like hot things that you have when you go skiing where you like click them and they like get warm. We had those in our socks. It was survival of the fittest. Okay. <laughs> and then we're climbing up the hill. We're so nervous. We turn off the music. We don't want to use any extra energy. Yeah. So we're driving. The car goes like, we're all just like kind of quiet in the car because we've got maybe 10 kilometers to go, but the charge is just now nothing. Like on the car, it just says zero. Like it's not even says zero. It's just like gone. And I'm like, oh God, what does this mean? The car is just like, no. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, driving, driving super slow because it won't drive any faster than like 15 kilometers an hour. It's completely pitch black outside. We're on a mountain. There's nothing around. The directions that we have are really confusing. Okay. Actually, domino number six, which has nothing to do with me. You no. guys, and I've learned since then, you don't have a good sense of direction. <gasps> Sorry. I pride myself on my good Really? What the? I'm gonna... Slap me? Slap you. <laughs> okay, well... If there wasn't a microphone between us, I had just set up this... Well, listen. Setup, I would slap you. I'm just a witness at this government inquiry into the death of... Sorry, a witness! Young... And domino number one was you! <laughs> but domino number six was you. You so... started the entire... Do- I'm trying so hard not to swear because my mom has criticized us swearing on this podcast, but <laughs> okay. later you're going to get it. <laughs> so, domino number six is I'm driving, so I can't really check the thing. And a lot of cabins don't, are not on Google Maps, right? So Because they're so remote. So you have to check Finn Maps. Excuse me. I think that actually we should blame the people that rented this cabin to us because why did they not give us a GPS coordinates? So, like, I don't know. that's ridiculous. They live in Luxembourg. Listen, what can we do? What, so, really? Oh yeah, that was the whole thing. Anyway, um, mm. so we arrive eventually at the thing, and the car is really in dire straits now. And we start driving up one road. Yeah. 
and then the, like there's an incline and the car just gives up and we're like okay we need to get out now grab what you can and we're just gonna run to the cab so we're running up this road wait, wait, wait. but before we ran up that hill everyone was freaking out and i just want to say that in norway there's actually a law that says that if you are in a survival situation and you break into someone's home, like mm. empty, like if you see an empty cabin, you break in for survival. Yeah. That's not against the law because you have to survive. Okay. Like, that is allowed. And I said that to everyone and everyone's like freaking out. I was like, look, we can see lights. We're going to be fine. We're going to find someone to help us. We're going to like. Yeah. Like, I was actually talking to Sabrina about this on Sunday and she was being so dramatic. She was like, we would have I, she was yeah. like, I actually started to feel warm, which is a sign that your body is like going into like hypothermia. And is, I was like. We you would, we had been in the out in the like okay it was minus twenty seven but like we'd been out there for approximately thirty five seconds. As no, and like, to be fair to Sabrina, like I've never been that cold in my life, and that's totally fair. But you guys were all like, "We're gonna die!" And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, you guys, we're not gonna die. Like it's gonna be fine." Anyway, we we drive up the first road. The cabin isn't there. We run back to the car. We then try and get it down the hill. We drive up a second road. It gives up. We drive up a third well, no, and road. I had to run up to a cabin and check if it was the right cabin. It wasn't. Yeah, the right but I. And by then, the way, at that once point, I, once no, I grabbed the phone the and dragged over the no directions, because then, the middle road was the one that you picked. That then you had already taken over, so you were wrong. No, actually. because I didn't. Obviously, I had. It was minus twenty-seven. My brain was shutting down from cold shock. Oh, sorry. You're just blaming Sabrina for saying she's gonna die yeah. suddenly. You're, you're brain dead. Okay. So then, anyway, we go up the third road, and basically we're like, okay, the car just stops. It fully stops in the middle of the road, and it will not drive anymore. And we're like, okay, but we're in kind of good spirits because we found the cabin, yeah, and we we're did like, find it, and we're like, okay, look, we're just gonna have to take all the stuff inside. the The car is clearly blocking this road, but we're just gonna have to call someone. There was a tractor down the way. We're like, someone must own that tractor. Someone's gonna have to tow us, or we'll just get a rescue, via help, like AA to come. So anyway, we empty out the car. Wait, all... AA, you mean AAA? Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> no, AA is automobile. It's like what we call... Oh, okay. In the US, it's AAA. And AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, no. <laughs> so then... Anyway, then everyone gets out of the car. We take out the kitchen sink, the waffle iron, the pizza oven, like the 15,000 litres of vodka, the ice cream maker, blah, 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 blah. The skis. The skis. The, like... The boots. The four fat heifers that are in the car all get out and then i'm like okay i'll try it one more time I, and i was in the cabin at that point i turn on the car and it turns on and i start driving it up the hill and it's dry it's going five kilometers an hour but it's going and then i turn around and obviously the whole place is just covered in snow so the wheels are kind of like skidding a bit but then turn around the corner i can see sabrina and alex ashen-faced laden down with millions of bags looking like famine victims just like their eyes glimmering with like a bit of hope and joy as i slowly go by at five kilometers an hour and then i start playing like kesha on the thing and turn it up really loud which obviously summons you and then we just drive it up the hill into the thing right next to the plug and we just like jubilant scenes and we'd made it and we could plug it in and it was fabulous. I felt like I saw the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> when I came out of the hitta and I saw you coming up over the hill, I I think I saw a miracle that night. <laughs> I truly couldn't believe it. It was amazing. It was like I rolled the rock away from the cave and <laughs> I was gone. Oh my god, my dad's going to be yelling at me. Why? Me. Because I'm being so blessed. Oh yeah. Um, but sorry, it's true. 
I saw God that night. Yeah, so oh. we survived. Sabrina, unfortunately, isn't with us anymore. <laughs> she did actually die of cold shock. No. Um, She's fine. <laughs> yeah, so that... But there's so many more aspects to driving to a cabin. Normally, when you're driving to a cabin, it's not that traumatic. No, but actually, before we get onto the non-traumatic aspects, I just want to say that my mom told me so many funny stories about being an exchange student in Norway when she was a teenager. Mm. And one of the stories that stuck in my mind when I was a kid was that they drove to the family's cabin and it was snowed in and they had to like dig their way to the cabin. Yeah. Like she got there and the, st- the sorry, the, the whatever exchange student, like host mom, uh, who's a super lovely woman who like I've met a few times. Yeah. She was like, okay, here's a shovel. Like you need to dig your way to the cabin. I mean, like they were all chipping in. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you stay warm. But apparently my mom started crying. <laughs> Because she just like wasn't used to this type of quote unquote vacation. Right. Yeah. And okay. so yeah, she or she says she started crying. I could be misquoting her, and I'm sure that if I am, she will let us know. Yeah. But um, actually, there's an interesting thing here, and this is relevant to you because you're going to go to a cabin next weekend. Um, my colleague has had a little side project of like. Um, recording the dist or the length of time it took because when you go onto google and you like put in if i put in right now oh take me to google it will give me the traffic conditions of how long it's going to actually take to get there right but you can't access that data historically so you have to like be running something that's like you know okay today at this time so he basically has something that checks i think every minute or every hour or something of what's the time it takes and so basically if you go on a so the normal amount of time in no traffic would take about 63 minutes. This is from Oslo to Hønefoss, our traumatic place. But on a Friday at like quarter to four, it will take 85 minutes. And on a Thursday, it will take at quarter to four, it'll take 75 minutes. So you can basically see this curve. Like on a Friday from basically noon onwards, it it like the travel time is rising, rising, rising until it peaks at basically four o'clock. And then it fall, falls and falls and falls until it's down to normal levels at like eight o'clock. This is actually so helpful. Like I'm going to make us leave at six o'clock on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, next week. And so, and then on a Thursday, basically it's a less pronounced curve, but you still have the same thing of like, okay, at four o'clock speed. But, and also that's so like telling of Norwegian work hours. That, like, oh, the, yeah. the rush hour is kind of half three to, like, four. Yeah. <laughs> the Norwegians are like, I gotta go. It's so yeah. true, though. Actually, that is one thing we haven't talked about, and I just want to touch on it very quickly, which is going to a cabin is such a such an acceptable thing to do that if you say, like, I need, I need an afternoon off or I need a day off because I'm going to the cabin, that's usually just so fine. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just so... I don't know, normal? Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My colleagues will leave whatever time in the afternoon and just... It's like, yeah, if you're going to cabin, that's like an excuse. Yeah, which I love. Me too. Um, but also then, there's a, I feel like there's a whole culture around petrol station food in Norway, right? Mm, yeah. Like Norwegians love petrol station food and I love it too. And I've talked to my Amer- my American colleague was like, oh, in America, you don't eat food from the petrol station. It's what? Like, Who are you talking to? Not... Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? An American that I work with. <laughs> and he was like, that's not a thing. Like that that you would like look forward to your petrol station food. I've never had petrol station food in America. Is it good? Well, okay, food 
Define food. No, I'm talking hot food. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I, I rescind my criti- implicit criticism of your call. But I found this article of a guy that um, reviewed a load of different petrol stations' foods. <laughs> and he was super critical. I was really surprised. But I think this guy is, like, trying to be too cool for school or is trying to... Because I think most Norwegians would be down to earth and just admit that everyone loves a, like, pulsa from... 7-Eleven. Yeah, and we're going to have a whole episode about this. No, of course. But I will say that there was a lot of photos in this article, and they do, like, zoom up there. Have you zoomed up on the picture? Because, I'm like, zooming you. What would you describe that as? Well, okay, I would first like to say that this posa is in br and not lumpa. Yeah. And that makes it automatically inferior. So it's in a bread roll instead of, like, a wrap. Like, they have these, like, potato wraps, yeah. kind of. Automatically inferior. Yeah, but... But what's going on with it? I mean, this man is just not a good food photographer. That's his fault. Yeah, okay, but what it says is, and I've Google translated this into English so that <laughs> we can all enjoy it. The bacon sausage has been lying on one side for a long time and had a dry and dark crust. What had once been bacon lay twisted around the semi-dried sausage. It tasted of bacon and had a consistency between wool thread and twine. The sausage mass, which is held together by the skin, had a kind of loose consistency, somewhere between pudding and overcooked eggs. A light taste of universal spray tops it all. (laughs) What is universal spray? (laughs) It's like like a cleaning. Yeah, it's the thing you use to clean like your kitchen counters. Oh my god. That's so rude to post that. I know! And the weird thing is, so... Also, another weird thing, like a cultural thing with Norwegians, is they rate everything from one to six. Yeah, not it's one to the, five. Because of dice. Yeah. So yeah. he gave every single benzene station two. Or I think he gave one three. Shell, of course. Um, yeah, and then. I mean, I just think that's rude. Um, <laughs> I would give one place, like a one, though, and that was. Um, Burger King on the way to BMS a couple weeks ago. I texted you as soon as this happened. We tried oh, to stop. We I tried to stop a, at this a burger. And but it, it was a Michelin star Burger King, right? <laughs> well, actually, funny you say that because there. So, this is this really funny rest stop where you can stop on either side of the highway, and over the highway is like a glass restaurant and it's a burger they king. have that in england I i've been in one it. of those i love it so much because and you can walk through the burger like you can go to the other side i love how you're like that's why it's mission star no wait here's the thing is sigurd told me that it used to actually be a fancy restaurant oh it was like kind of fancy but it was straddling a motorway yeah there's nothing fancy about it. <laughs> look we're in norway you gotta lower your expectations here <laughs> Sorry, Norway. I'm applying for citizenship, so I should stop saying these things. Right, I don't mean any of it. But anyway, what happened to you? So, I have always wanted to stop at this Burger King. I've driven by it so many times, I just want to eat at the Burger King above the motorway. Yeah. I had one wish in life. <laughs> if I had one wish for Make-A-Wish Foundation, I'd this. <laughs> and so we stopped, and then we're trying to order on like the automatic like uh, signs, and this woman comes up to us who works at Burger King. She's like, you can't order. Mm. I'm like, why? And she says, because it's an hour wait time. <laughs> I was like... In Burger King. In Burger King. I said... <laughs> She's like, is your name on... Did you make a reservation? <laughs> Looking at you down her nose. 
You should have like, do you know who I am? I was like, is this legal? <laughs> that is terrible. In the US, you would be shut down. No, but in fairness, do you know what is an amazing place to stop? And actually, I have such yes. a warm place in my heart for Me too. McDonald's floor. McDonald's floor? Is an amazing is, place. Like, I imagine that if I go to heaven, that will be the entry. <laughs> That'll be like the lobby of heaven. Yeah, and I looked it up on Google, so it has 858 Google reviews. We should review it. A lot of them are text. Like, I was scrolling for a long time earlier this evening looking at the reviews. So, a few highlights. Frederick Norman, a must stop if you want to eat junk food. <laughs> I do, thank you, I will stop. Um, also, Tony Tuddenham says, terrible service, not organized at all, full restaurant and total chaos behind the counter, chaos with a K. <laughs> they should really be prepared for lots of people since they are near a tourist attraction. But he then finishes with, food tasted good. <laughs> He's not fully bitter, like he would admit that the food was delicious. Also, Only two stars though. Two stars, yeah, and actually this, yeah. Um, and then someone re <laughs> someone reviewed it thinking it was the town. So they said, a beautiful little village that has a variety of restaurants, including a Mac and an open buffet restaurant, in addition to a supermarket and a small mall, and then a picture of a bear. And it was originally in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then the other place that I was looking up Google reviews for was, this is the place that we used to stop when Alex and I would come and go to the cabin in Ghoul, was... YX, which is actually a petrol station in Sokna. Um, and there are some great reviews on here as well. For example, Dorellis gives it five stars, five full stars, but the text of the review is okay. And then Trond Arland also gives it a full five stars with the text of the review okay. <laughs> like, if it's okay, it's a three, guys, not a five. Like, make your mind up. <laughs> And then also this one, Lior, three stars. It's a gas station, dot, dot, dot. What is there to rate? You tell me. You, you're rating it. You're taking time out of your day to write a review. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's a few more. Oh, and then, sorry, this was my absolute favorite for X, Y, Y, X, um, Sokna, which is translated from an unknown language, but it translates to dirt stink <laughs> which is very harsh oh my gosh <laughs> i'm like almost crying from these reviews yeah i think we're done though with reviews like wait, wait, so. wait but we gotta okay. give a shout out just one shout out yeah to our, one of our newly discovered spots to stop at sofas oh, matus yeah. which it was this like abandoned gas station that we used to drive by. And I would always notice, I'd be like, that place is haunted, it's abandoned. <laughs> For some reason, it's a perfect square. Yes. And and of course we never stopped because why would you? Mm -hmm. Then we were going to the cabin and suddenly it was renovated. I was yes. so excited. So on the way back, we stopped. It's called Sofas Matus. It's S O. By the way, this sounds like it's gonna be a horror, like a ghost story. And then we went in, <laughs> and the lights all turned off, and the doors locked, <laughs> and we were possessed by the devil. We're still possessed. No, it was delicious. S O P H A S Matus. Anyway, um, it seems like it's like I don't know sushi, Thai, Thai, Thai food, food yeah. a lot of Thai food, like 
I'm not really sure, but they had really good ice cream. The ice cream portions were enormous. Yeah, crazy. They had like way too much ice cream there. And uh, they were super nice. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna stop there. And I think it's kind of funny that there's like so many Thai places on the way to the cabin. Yeah, there are. Because we had another one as well that yeah. was actually really good as well. That's Hall- at Hollingsport. Hollingsport, yeah. Hollingsport, yeah. And there's, um, and there's a petrol station there. Yeah. Where you can get a delicious pizza if you That's want. That's another place that we charge the car. On the way back, yes. Yeah. And we saw a Tesla being towed. Um, that was such a wonderful But to finish this off, now that we've had a lot of talk about trashy things, what about some hard-hitting political commentary from Indigo? Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of wanted to dig up some stats on, like, what the breakdown is in terms of ethnicity of who owns cabins. Because there have been immigrants to Norway for a while, and, like, of course... I'm sure for a long time, but the kind of big groups that have come have been maybe since the 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s. And um, and honestly, it was a little bit hard to come up with any kind of concrete information. But I was inspired to look at this because a friend of mine who's a journalist, um, Abdi, he shared this article during Easter that, w- that was called Hit the Polskif for them, which means like cabin Easter for who. Yeah. And it basically was making this point that a lot of people wanted to go to their cabins during Easter, but all of the discourse was very much like, oh, poor us who can't go to our cabins, or oh, yay, we can go to our cabins, and then the subsequent wave of infections post-Easter. Yes. But it wasn't talking about the people who didn't have cabins to go to. And Abdi pointed out that he hasn't been to a cabin for, like, eight, nine years, he doesn't know anyone with the Norwegian Somali background that even owns a cabin. Mm. And he was kind of making this point that, like, who are we talking about even when we talk about the cabin experience? Like, yeah. who, who does that even apply to, right? Um, and it's considered this, like, quintessentially Norwegian thing, and we're kind of also, like, playing into that narrative, but does that actually apply to all Norwegians? Again, it was really hard for me to actually get, like, concrete numbers, but I did find some interesting things. Um... When there was a SSB, again, the Statistics Bureau, um, study on this in 2018, it showed that uh, a lot of people from Sweden and Denmark own cabins in Norway, so that's maybe not so unexpected. But apparently, Americans own a lot of cabins as well. But, well, the thing is, so I did see 97.5% of all cabins in Norway are owned by Norwegians. Yeah. And the next biggest group then is Swedes. So even though, okay, there might be, oh, the biggest group that owns cabins in Norway is Swedes, or then it's Danes, and then it's Americans, it's still such a small percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like it's a really super small percentage. Norwegians. I don't know, but the thing is, they don't, didn't tell you what ethnicity those Norwegians were. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing is it says, people with a background of a different land, or sorry, of a different country, um, make up 27% of the... Wait, can that be right? Of the cabin owners. Yeah, it could be because people own multiple cabins. Oh, sorry. That's... No, sorry. That's the total percentage in Norway with, like, a different background Mm. than than Norwegian whatever, family background. And then there's a much lower percentage with... um, Who own cabins. But the thing is that they... The way that the statistics 
Bureau explains this is they think that a lot of people from other countries spend more time in the countries that their families come from. Oh, okay. So for me, for example, like if I had disposable income that I wanted to spend on, like would I spend it on a cabin or would I spend it on going home to the U.S.? And so their explanation for this is like, if you are Somali, and you, but if you have family in other places, and it's not necessarily even your like so-called home country, but it could be like that you have a diasporic family, maybe like your family in London, Sweden, like Germany, wherever, yeah. that you're going to visit them instead of spending that on going to a cabin. Yeah. But the thing is that it probably hasn't been long enough for them to actually get real information on this. At the same time, we know that like... prices are just rising in Norway. And so honestly, I don't think this is an achievable dream for people because one thing that Ellen Reese pointed out, the PhD student that we talked about in the previous episode, Mm. she pointed out that kind of the golden age of cabins is over. That was like post-World War II when everyone could build their cabin and buy some land and blah, blah, blah. And now it's not really such an equitable dream the way that it used to be. I mean, yeah, I mean, my own very anecdotal evidence would be like, looking around where we live versus then when you're looking around when we go to the cabin places there's a very different demographic right it's like when we go to cabin places or cabin towns or when you're in mcdonald's floor people look the same right right so it wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't that many but also it's it could be as well that like it take it's kind of it is a bit of a weird thing like the idea of a cabin holiday like like you know you say when your mom burst into tears when she had to <laughs> shovel herself out of the cabin it's kind of like for a lot of people i'm sure a lot of people listening to this will think that doesn't sound fun i think a lot of irish people would say like for example i think when irish people go on holidays and when we would rent cabin or like not cabins but like when we rent houses or places that we're going on holidays to we would want it to be near to a pub or a restaurant right because we want to be able to walk to a town and have some pints or at least a short taxi drive to somewhere that's like a town centre that there's bustling, that there's crack and stuff. Whereas I've never known of a Norwegian cabin that's even within taxi distance to like... Oh, home. no, nothing. Also, we should clarify that crack is not crack. <laughs> Do we need to clarify that? I um, I didn't know that till I met you. Crack is not crack cocaine. Crack is ass crack. No. <laughs> like C-R-A-I-C. Yes. It's basically like a good time. Um, sorry, I just got the stats up. So yeah, the uh, only 1.7% of um, Hitta owners are people with an immigrant background. Oh, wow. And that's not, that, that could be white immigrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's okay. like a tiny number. Um, but another thing that they also used to explain this is that the typical Hitta owner is over 60 and most people with an immigrant background are very young. Mm. So the SSB in 2018, when they wrote this report said that they were wondering if this was this number, uh, like proportion of Hitta owners was going to increase as the immigrant population grew older. So we'll report back in 30 years. But actually one thing to finish on, or do you have a list of to talk about? I think that's it. Because I died when I read this. <laughs> and died is a like fitting term for this story. It's written in Norwegian here, so I'm gonna have to like translate. But um, so I was reading about, yeah, most Hutta owners are over like 60. More of them are men. So it's actually not very gender equal. Uh, I think like 60% of Hutta owners are men. Most of them are like over 60. 
Um, but they also, and this is like written in such a Norwegian way, that just the headline of this paragraph is, many dead cabin owners. <laughs> so it's like, um, so over 90% of cabins are owned by living people who are resident in Norway. Um, but many cabins are owned by dead people it can be that the cabin is under inheritance like it's it's like in the process of being inheritance or that like the inheritance is kind of uh like there's like something like going wrong with that so norwegians who live uh, abroad own 4872 cabins but 16,311 cabins are registered with owners who are dead. Like, not only will the boomers, like, it's like, hand over those cabins, like, with your skeletal hands from the grave. You're still clinging on to your property post-death. It really makes you think. So, there we have it. That was Cadence. That was Hitta. I'm Seamus. Wait, what? That was right. Yeah, but you said something like you said it kind of strangely. Did I? How? I said I'm Seamus. You said Seamus. Seamus. I'm getting drunk. <laughs> okay, I'll try again. But I don't want to be like, yeah, that's wrong because I was like, wait, is that how he says his name? That's not. No, it should be Seamus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bloopers. Okay, go. <laughs>